1: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: In the evening, it's not worth believing what you years ago today, if today were 14 days ago. Does that make sense? Listen, the film Clueless was released. It's the 20th anniversary, and no cultural influence has done more for the way people speak since Moon Unit Zappa's song, Valley Girl. Hello, I'm Matt Gorley, and I know what I'm talking about. This is I Was There Too, where I have conversations with the people present in the great scenes of cinema history. This is also the first episode so far where, I must admit, I wasn't super familiar with the films. I'd seen Clueless sometime around when it came out, but at least at the time of the release of Bring It On, I hadn't been going to a lot of cheerleader movies. But I was wrong. I'm here to correct that. We've had enough of my space and war films. It's time to change it up and get out of my comfort zone. My guest today is actor, dancer, martial artist, unwitting poster girl for an IMDb lawsuit, and more. Listen on to find out what that even means. And stay tuned after the interview for yet another new segment with a ham-fisted name, but one in which we explore the linguistic intricacies of the clueless vernacular. It's all here today, and I was there too. The films, Clueless and Bring It On. The years, 1995 and 2005. The roles, Summer and Whitney. The actor, Nicole Bilderback. Nicole Bilderback, you alone are going to be my guide through a genre of films that I have yet to cover on this podcast. So I was there too as an even a year old, but I've admittedly been way too focused on action and sci-fi and horror and things with which I'm very familiar. But now I've done my viewing. I'm ready. It's been too long in coming. Let's talk about Clueless. We're going to talk about Bring It On. Thank you for being here.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
2: So let's start with Clueless. Now I want to talk about your character Summer. In fact, I have a very intriguing question about your character. Oh, okay. About halfway through the movie, maybe you guys are at this big house party, and you're leaving the party, and you're inexplicably you have a lit snowman Christmas lawn decoration that's still connected by a cord, and and you're putting it into your car. And no one says anything about this. And oh, yeah. you just drive off with this thing.
0: It's Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 might I remind you it was Beverly Hills. No, it's actually funny. You're not the only one. A lot of people um, bring it up when talking about Clueless because it is like if you think about it, you're like, okay, like, first of all, A, I'm stealing a snowman. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's not cool. Yeah. But B, it's still lit up as and I'm holding it and you don't really see a cord or anything. I mean, we're assuming it's plugged in somewhere. Uh-huh. But um but yeah, so I'm basically just stealing a lit snowman, that's a snowman that's still totally lit. And there's no but I love how the other characters like share Elise Silverstone's character and Brittany Murphy. They like it's it's not even mentioned. No, that.
2: and nor are you trying to be sneaky or furtive about it. You're putting it in your front seat like it's a kid going into a car seat, like this is just normal <laughs> for you, and I'm just wondering...
0: Summer was a klepto. It's, it's, <laughs> okay. That's actually what that was in the character breakdown, Summer's a klepto. That's
2: what I want to hear. Okay, <laughs> that's very good to know. So let's start early on in that process. How did you end up in that film? Was it a regular audition? Now you, um, We'll get to the dance element of your past yeah. when we get to bring it on, but what got you in Clueless?
0: Oh, wow. You know what? I had only lived out in Los Angeles like maybe, God, maybe probably not even a full year. Because I remember when Clueless, when Clueless came out, I had only lived in L.A. for like mm, a year and a half, two years. Uh-huh. And uh, and I, it was just a good old-fashioned audition. I had went in. I read for Marsha Ross, who was a casting director. I first read for her. And then she brought me back to read. And I so vividly remember the room, too, of the callback. It was uh, Amy Heckerling. Oh, in, yeah. Scott Rudin. The Scott Rudin, uh-huh. you know, mega producer. Yeah, both of those heavy
2: hitters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, Adam Schroeder, who's another big, uh, big producer. Um, and I just remembered them all. It, it's like you're in a room like about this size. Little me, all these big boys, all right. There, they're all like sitting in a chair and they're kind of circling around you. And it's um, but it's funny though because I think I was so young and I was still fairly new that. I didn't look at. I wasn't in my head, so yeah. I didn't have time to overanalyze it. I was just happy to be there, uh-huh. and I got to just have fun with it. And I just remember Amy Heckerling smiling, and and the like everyone, everyone just kind of like smiling and being into it. And I'd actually read for a couple of characters. Oh um, yeah,
2: do you remember which ones?
0: It was Summer, and then it was the uh, the girlfriend of Josh, Heather. I think is the character's name.
2: Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. And uh, oh, we you know. And I also read for Amber, actually. Um, but yeah, but so I, I went in and I had read for um, all three, and then I think they narrowed it down to two, and I believe it actually boiled down to either I was going to be Amber or I was going to be Summer. And then they ended up casting Amber, and then they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you either Summer or Heather. <laughs> so I was just happy they wanted me in the movie. Yeah, you know. Of um, yeah. And I ended up with Summer, which was, a, you know, it's a smaller part, but it's a nice little supporting friend role that uh, definitely got a lot of interest. Um, Recognition. So. And she's a
2: bit of a, I don't know what to call her, an instigator or a troublemaker. You come in with that credit card game, the suck and blow game, right?
0: The suck and blow game? <laughs> <laughs> you know We were shooting that. Because it's supposed to be like an American Express card. Yeah. Have you ever tried to do that with a real card? No, but I card? read
2: that you guys had some problems with this, right? Okay,
0: let me just tell you right now. You can't do it. Really? <laughs> you can't do it. Hold on. I mean, no, okay, yeah, pull out a credit card. Okay. You put it up to you, and you're literally like, and before you can you'll even, run out of breath, before right? you can even, yeah, and it just falls. <sighs> Well, you kind of did, yeah. But you have to like then move it to somebody else.
2: You can't have a seal, yeah. You can't keep a seal.
0: No. And then but for somebody else to obviously oh, that just stuck to your lips. Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: you, you caught me.
0: But then to um, to be, you know pass it on to another mouth and have them suck hard enough to where it'll stay and and continue to do it. So and we kept trying and trying. And believe me, we all all the actors in that scene we know how to suck. <laughs> come on now, come on. And so it couldn't have been us. No,
2: no. No. That's a fault of the credit card Uh. and capitalism (laughs) in general. Well, credit
0: cards, well, now they're making them a little thinner and they they seem to be more, um, everything's being smaller and thinner. Uh But back then, I think credit card, the American Express card, anyway, now, you know, that was when they had the numbers pop up. Yeah. And now they're like. Well, like maybe it's just the block card, but I don't have no—I don't have one myself. I know it's yeah. but you know they're like all smoothed out, and so now they're a little lighter. But um,
2: they know their market now. They do. High school kids they, playing they, this you game. You know what?
0: The credit card companies they all were like, "You can't play suck and blow with this," <laughs> so we've got to change the format of the of the credit card.
2: So what was the solution? How did you guys do it? Movie magic? What was the deal?
0: I hate to be—I hate to be spoil it, but we actually ended up just using like a card card, like a, a it was a. Um, you know, how kind of like a library card. Or oh, it I don't was pliable,
2: exact. right? Yeah. So it could bend a so little. So it was lighter. Oh. It was,
0: um, and then they just—I um, mean—they got the closest one they could to look like a credit card. Uh-huh. And that's what we had to like literally improv it. So, oh
2: man, this is yeah. breaking down the walls. The illusion. Now you're crumbling. actually
0: upset. <laughs> you're gonna—you're crying on the inside. You're like, man, that just. That just spoils everything. Uh,
2: so were you guys at all aware of what a cultural phenomenon this movie would become?
0: Not at all. Not at all. In fact, I remember sitting in my my bedroom reading the script for the very first time and looking at it going, I mean, imagine, imagine reading on paper words like whatever, right. as if. You know, yeah. you're going to be like. Um, what is this? Yeah, because
2: now it's, that's in the popular lexicon, but at the time,
0: oh oh god, Amy Heckerling created a whole new language, and there's know, a she, whole
2: book, right? How to speak cluelessly. That is oh, kind yeah, of like a glossary yeah, of these terms. Totally, yeah.
0: it, it was this huge phenomenon. And but I mean, imagine if you're reading it on paper at first, and you're just like, what is this? Right. You're like oh god, this what it, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> you know, but I mean, heck, it's not like I was gonna turn it down. Right. I mean, my god, this is a big Paramount studio yeah. movie and it's Amy Heckerling yeah, iconic.
2: She had done Fast Times original. Yeah. So you must have had some faith in that right? Oh, or, oh
0: absolutely. Okay. Oh I always had faith in yeah. it. I always did. But I mean I think it's just the initial getting through the dialogue on paper without actually um, before having sat down with the other actors for a first table read
2: yeah, and then hearing it. So, right.
0: um, so then then that, then you know it was, it was just so much fun to, to be able to um, meet everyone for the first time and actually when you hear it out loud too with other actors involved it it uh, makes a big difference. I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. And then, of course, on set, you're like, "This is totally working." <laughs> but I had no idea it was going to be as big as it was.
2: And it resonates. It's 20 years now, right? This year, 20 years.
0: And I'm, oh my god, I must have been six. <laughs> <I laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: me, oh, me too. Oh, me too. So I guess weird. that makes me eight or nine. Yeah, that was so weird. Well, you know, I played yeah. older
0: for my age back then. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I watched yeah. movies older for my age yeah. back then
0: too.
2: <laughs> uh, so it was a big cultural phenomenon, and it kind of continues to be. Also, the fashion we can't discount the fashion from this film. the oh, gosh, ridiculous yeah. amount of plaids in this movie.
0: The, oh gosh, well, you know Mona May, the academy award-winning costume designer Mona may who's who's brilliant um she came up with i mean she she did such a perfect job with coming creating helping creating the characters with their wardrobe because this is a movie that not only had a story and message to it, you know, it was loosely based off Emma. yeah. And uh, it had not only had, a, had a, you know, a message to it, but it also – but, I mean, the clothes, it was a huge part of it, mm-hmm. you know. It was a huge part of it. And it did matter because you're trying to create the whole, the whole scenario of the situation. Like, you know, for a majority of people, it's a ridiculous situation to be able <laughs> to have a remote control for your closet. But for some people – that is how it is, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, but I mean, just to kind of yes, a lot of it definitely is, you know, over exaggerated a bit. But it's supposed to be. It's a movie. It's entertainment, and in everything about it worked. But the wardrobe, I remember. I'll never forget this. When um, at the wardrobe fitting, someone telling me that the wardrobe budget alone, just for breckenmeier's character, who had who was at least fashionable. Yeah, in the I whole mean, movie,
2: the, the clothes you could most find off the rack somewhere at a oh, totally. thrift store. Or you could find yeah, yeah you could
0: find it at a Goodwill. Yeah. Um, His budget for his wardrobe was ten thousand. No, I believe. I hope. I God, if she hears, if Mona May, if you're listening,
2: <laughs> she is. She writes in every <laughs> She's week. She's
0: like, well, I'm gonna actually see her Saturday night. Okay. Big event celebration for the for the film, but um, but yeah, she. Um, I believe that's. I believe it was about ten, like ten grand. Yeah, for his wardrobe alone.
2: Oh. Do you have any idea what your wardrobe uh, budget I was?
0: Say, I think mine was like. 12 grand.
2: Did you get any say in your character's costume pieces or was that all from her?
0: I mean, it's ma- what they do is you try on a bunch of stuff and then they take Polaroids of it. And then, um, I mean, ultimately the decision makers are the director, producers. They'll have to approve what they like the most. Do we have – I mean, the, the say that we have is, you know, like, oh, I really like this one. Or I really like that one. Um Because, you know, just I think energetically, you want to wear something as an actor, you want to wear something that is, that you're comfortable in. They're not going to be too self-conscious because you you don't want that to read on on camera. So, um, but yeah, I mean, basically that was all, all them.
2: And even the trademark pigtails that you had, right? The teddy bears. The teddy bears? They were
0: teddy bear pink tail holders. (laughs) Come on, you want one. You have some at home. I want one. I, know I you sure did.
2: do. I've got them on me. You have them. What you... color do you want?
0: I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so how was it working with Amy Heckerling as a director?
0: Amy's rad. She's one of those, and I'm not even going to say just as a director, but as a human being, as a person, she's just rad. She's just an awesome, cool chick. She's yeah. very laid back. She's very, um, she'd come in like in her little sneakers and pants and was just always just kind of like chill and easy, um, and she's super nice and just a shitload of fun. Are we allowed to cuss? On you this? sure okay. can. Yeah. And a shitload of fun. Well, there you go. I mean, she just, Double down. God, my 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 parents would be so disappointed. <laughs> if well. you're lucky, I might throw an F bomb in a bit. Please. We'll see. Okay. Oh, really? If you're There's, lucky. Okay. It's got to be worth. It. It's got to be. Got to be. You know.
2: I'll see if I can set you up.
0: You you better it better be a good one.
2: Okay. All right. Hmm. That'll come to that'll come later. <laughs> Uh, Alicia Silverstone, Brittany Murphy, how was it working with them? It seems like this was just a fun environment on this set.
0: Absolutely. It was, um, God, Alicia was a sweetheart. You know, she was just at the time coming off the big success from The Babysitter, Uh which is a great film. Yeah. Great, you know, a little cult classic in itself. Um, and, uh, but I mean, other than that, you know, she was still fairly a newcomer, you know, like she hadn't really done all that much. It was it was just the notoriety from the babysitter that, you know, and then she went on to this, you know, big studio film. And she was a sweetheart, just total sweetheart. I mean, there was no pretentiousness, there was no attitude. She was just like she was a little dollface. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean Brittany, Brittany was
2: She's amazing in this film. She's, she's amazing. She's really good. She's really I remember fun to meeting
0: watch. her for the first time and just thinking, gosh, she is so fun and spunky. And she just represented love. She was just love. Really? She was never in a bad mood. I never have once... I never once saw her in a bad mood ever. And even after we did the movie, I mean, God, I remained friends with her. Um, not hanging out all the time, but I would see her quite a bit uh, over the years. Um, we'd run into to each other at parties. We had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. So, um, and she... I don't think I've ever, ever seen her in a bad mood, ever. And she's, God, she's so fiercely talented. And yeah. She went on to... Really show her acting chops.
2: And so then you went on to do the TV series as well, right?
0: I did, I, I had a reoccurring. I did, like I think, like, what, four episodes? I, three or four episodes? Yeah,
2: three. I think I three. I have not yeah.
0: seen that show or seen this epi- at all. I mean, probably since it first
2: aired. But talk about the gift that keeps on giving, Clueless, and then you get to follow it up with the TV show, which Amy Heckerling also directed as well, right? They,
0: yeah. They, well, they um, – I believe they were the pre- – One of the I remember Twink Kaplan, She was one of the producers. That's a great name. Isn't that the best name ever? That's such a porn star. (laughs) No, but um, but yeah, they. Because I remember reading. Because they initially another. I initially went in for the series to read for Ty. So So you um, wouldn't have
2: for the show you went in for Ty. So
0: yeah, they wanted. They were open. They were open ethnically. They just Uh wanted for you know in case they couldn't get Brittany Murphy, they wanted to um, you know they wanted to. Or sometimes it's the network too. They want to see different choices and options. And so I went in to read for Ty and then, um, and of course I ended up getting summer.
2: <laughs> uh, I guess it makes sense.
0: Summer came back. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so yeah, I did like four episodes.
2: Well, uh, well, let's, let's move ahead to 2000 to bring it on, uh-oh. which I watched this morning for the first time. I had seen Clueless long ago. And then wa- I-
0: you were a bring it on virgin.
2: I was. Yeah. <laughs> That can't be too much. I of just a popped
0: your chair. You did. Oh, you sure this did. This morning. Yeah,
2: this morning. I, are you a little I'm, nervous
0: right now? You, you little know little? I am. Okay. I'm, Sweaty palms. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I I watched it by myself. I'm a grown man, just watching. Bring it on. the The bass is thumping in my living room. People are walking by. I can see them looking up and hearing the cheers, and you know. And
0: they're like pervert. Got yeah. People walking by are like. Mm, yeah. We knew there's something wrong.
2: Yeah. Oh that. no. No doubt. We knew there's something wrong. <laughs>
0: And you're like, Yeah and they can hear you and you hear these <laughs> girls screaming and like little, you know, short skirts and sports bras. Yeah.
2: Well they heard my disappointment when you guys win second place.
0: They heard you crying yeah. actually. They
2: heard me weep, the soft sounds of crying. my weeping.
0: I know, right? It's kind of it's kind of a bummer we didn't win
2: first. I know, but I was I was wondering how that was going to end as someone who had not seen that movie before thinking they can't win. It's not going to feel right if they win against the Clovers.
0: Well, you know what? You know what it is? I I think people probably had the expectation we were going to win. We're going to get first place um, just because, like, okay, here's your hero team. Yeah, that's the way the movies go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but it definitely was a smarter choice to have um, the the. Oh. Shit balls! You know we were the toros. They were the clovers. clovers. Thank the you, clovers. Yes. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, Up in that. the atmosphere. Yeah. See, yeah. you do know. Oh yeah. You do know. I'm you going home
2: to watch Bring It On too. I'm sad you're not in that.
0: Oh God. There's like 12 of them. I, I know. Make. Yeah. But uh, but no. But I you know. But it was good that they chose the clovers to win because not only did it um, and to have us be happy about it uh-huh. to have the characters yeah. the toros be happy about yeah, it. yeah it was the
2: right feel absolutely
0: to not be like it's okay if you don't win everybody we, both both teams still won. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's face it, Clovers were kind of badass, in it? Yeah, they were. They were kind of
2: badass in
0: it. Doggone it. (laughs) Those fuckers. Those shitheads. God.
2: Almost got you. Gabriella
0: Union. (laughs) I hope you're listening.
2: All Um, right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and talk about your dance and martial arts and what led you to be this kick-ass cheerleader and bring it on.
0: I like how you married those together. Kick-ass cheerleader.
2: That's right. Yeah, because you do kickboxing too, right? Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. And we're back. You've been dancing since the age of three, is that correct?
0: Yes, I started dancing. Um, I did God ballet, tap, jazz. Um, I mean, I mean, all throughout the years. But I started at three years old. But I've, I've, I'm accomplished in God just about all of it.
2: Do you find it more challenging to do dance on camera or act on camera? Does one make you more nervous, or are they just very different?
0: They're just so very different. Uh-huh. So very different.
2: Because um, you guys are doing crazy complicated stuff and bring it on oh
0: gosh yeah well we had a whole four weeks of what we call cheer boot camp so we had four weeks prior to beginning principal photography so um we we shot it down in san diego so we all went down there and it literally was monday through friday for like eight hours with the lunch break (laughs) um of of learning of basically training so because we had to learn all the routines, yeah. all the dance routines, all the cheer routines. Um, and then, you know, we, they had to actually work with us
2: so that we wouldn't fall and break our necks. <laughs> you had some cheerleading experience, so, though. Right? Yeah, I
0: was a cheer I was a cheerleader, actually, when I was younger. Um, and, of course, having the dance background um, for the audition for, well, excuse me, for the for the second or third auditions, I went in. I went back a few times. Um, but for the final audition for Bring It On, um, we had to prepare a two-minute cheer or dance.
2: Of your own yeah. Do you remember any of that?
0: I don't remember the routine itself, um, but I choreographed a pretty fierce. I combined the two. I did a cheer dance, uh-huh. and I actually did it to Mickey,
2: the one that they used in the credits. Yes.
0: So that was my actual audition. And do you so, think they,
2: that they saw that and they're like? They were like, gotta... "God, she's
0: our inspiration." Yeah, she is for the whole closing for the whole closing credits. Absolutely. They're like, "God, she did she did it to Mickey. We gotta we got
2: Did you try out for that part specifically? Because you straight up play a mean girl in this movie.
0: Yeah, she's a bitch.
2: Yeah, she's... She's a bitch. She's just like the lapdog of the other girl. Well, not really. You guys are both kind of like just tag team mean girls.
0: Totally, totally.
2: Were you always up for that role or were there other possibilities? I mean, what was it that they said this girl's a mean girl?
0: Yeah, I was always up up only for that role. The breakdown for the character, Whitney, here's what's going to come in. Okay. Are you you excited? I'm excited. I'm super excited. The, the character description was initially that she's Asian American uh-huh. bleached platinum hair and tan 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 that's almost almost verbatim it's almost verbatim so uh, so so I went in and I was like oh okay um, but after I got it I remember inquiring to the producers be like okay so um so what now do I have to color my hair and do um, you know what about the tan and they're like um uh, so they ultimately ended up deciding against the coloring of the hair however for whatever reasons they paid for me to sit in a tanning bed a couple you're very
2: week. tan in this film
0: swear to god
2: but it doesn't look swear to god crazy
0: swear to god and you know what initially in initially in the script um there was actually it was actually written to where there was definitely dialogue and conversations about her platinum hair uh-huh. and once those were taken out um then it was basically i'm just a bitch who's really tan how
2: how much tanning time did you have to clock for this thing i
0: think i i mean you know i had 4 weeks building up before yeah. we started shooting so i think i went i think i started off like 2 3 days a week just to get the ba- yeah. you know the base the base,
2: the base tan I've and heard
0: then it. i mean and then it calmed because once we started shooting i really didn't have hardly any time to yeah. um because of our long long days but then it was like maybe once a week if that but i mean i hold i hold a tan pretty well
2: yeah so <laughs> How long did it take you guys to get that final routine down? And how much of that did you break up for specific shots? Or were you rolling through that whole routine Ugh. pretty frequently?
0: You know, gosh, I remember when we were rehearsing. I mean, I mean, when you're learning it, it's definitely, it's all broken up. You're, you're taught it piece by piece by piece. Because then we had to also, too, incorporate all the stunts and the pyramids and the toss, you yeah. know, all the basket tosses and throws. So, um, so we, learning it wasn't the hardest part. It was um shooting it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was challenging because um we were I mean, we definitely there were when it when they would move in for close ups, it was um they did it in sections. Uh but when it when we had to do like for the whole for the master shot, that was Beginning to end, straight through, just we had to bang it out. Even, t- you know what? There may have been a few times though, to be honest with you, even when they'd come in for close ups, they, I think there was, they only selected a few characters where, um, for close ups so that we may have gone through from beginning to end as well. I
2: see. So um, you guys are also doing some moves that if I understand this correctly are illegal in high school competitions that yes. like you can't even do. Plus, I believe you're not allowed to show your midriff in high school competitions as well, so you guys are breaking all the rules. Tossing we're, people around.
0: We're sluts. <laughs> and yeah, clearly, clearly. No, you know it's well, it's funny because I don't know. I mean, now now I know it's the the, the rules have changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know for back then.
2: Oh, it's a good we're question. Bring on with, what 15 years? Yeah, 2000.
0: God. I got. God, I was five. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because I, I know when I was in middle school, let's see, was my, yeah, no, I guess our midriff was covered. I okay, mean, it, I, you would hope so in middle came, school, ours, at ours least. Ours came, like, just right at the skirt. Uh huh. So you um, cheerleaded
2: in middle school? Yeah. And high school as well, or just middle high school? High school,
0: I actually decided not to try out for high school cheerleader oh. because I was focusing on dance and acting.
2: But then you also did extensive martial arts, right?
0: Well, here's the thing. I, I wasn't like I didn't really get in to the whole like mixed martial arts um, until or kickboxing really mainly um, until my 20s when I started auditioning for a lot of roles that were um, requiring the the females to ha- be able to, to be, basically be able to pull it off.
2: Yeah, the action stuff. Um,
0: and so then I just really got I went through a whole phase for like five years of, of, of kickboxing. And uh, and then you've lived a
2: whole life that I I will never live.
0: Yeah. So I mean, so it just it just comes in. I mean, I think I think to having the dance background, um, since that was my base, uh, the the strength and the flexibility and the technique, the form um, was all already there. So the transitioning into you know being able to learn a a real right hook or learning uh, the actual art of kickboxing and you know what I mean. So Mm -hmm. like that all that transition was a lot easier because you can kind of marry it all together.
2: So you've been able to utilize that extensively, and especially in this recent film, Mercenaries, right? Which we've yeah. talked about this before, but it's basically what they've been setting up the female version of The Expendables to be. It already exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about that?
0: Yeah, Mercenaries is great.
2: Does your character have a specialty, like knives or explosives? or
0: My specialty, uh, yeah, explosives. Um, oh, She's really? a bomb expert. Nailed it. And the other one is she can fly anything. The characters itself, they're not they're not bad people. Mm-hmm. they're not criminals really per se. It's more uh, they're they're all in jail. You first meet them in jail, and they're all in jail. Um, like for example, my character's in jail uh, because I had I blew up a, a bank on Wall Street.
2: <laughs> but it's because they were bad people. You're Robin Hoods. Your yes, female Robin Hoods. Your a, much. You're the A team, the female A team. Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
0: You know, so like I was trying to do a good thing. These people were stealing <laughs> people's money. Yeah. So I blew up the bank. Big deal. And I get I got thrown in jail for it.
2: Uh, so tell us about the New Hollywood, which is your organization, correct?
0: Yes. Yes. The New Hollywood um, is uh, it's an all uh, female uh, goal and philanthropic group. They're both personal and professional goals. Um, so it can be anywhere from you know career goals. To uh, just self-growth goals that you want to achieve, you know. So we meet quarterly, and we have um, we have goal partners that we have to check in with every day. So basically, I'm being held accountable so that you don't feel disappointed or keep or keep delaying and <clears throat> pushing, you know, and pushing it away to live up to your fullest potential. So, um, and then the philanthropic part is we are very much uh, involved with we give to charities. I think we give to like three or four a year. Um, we've also teamed up with multiple charities, like we did, like for Tree People. We uh, we actually did a calendar. Oh, really? To raise money, yeah. This One is my- the
2: second calendar from a guest on this podcast. Some of the people on the bus in the movie Speed put together a calendar. Oh, as stop well. it!
0: Are I, you serious? Yeah, how did it, I not know this? It has
2: never surfaced to my knowledge, but uh, apparently someone has the pictures. I don't know.
0: I would so get that.
2: I know. There's one last thing I want to ask you about, and there was a bit of an IMDb situation that you went to at oh some point. Oh my God, that's
0: the best. I forgot about that. I can't believe I forgot about that. Temporarily forgot it. This is about a it.
2: fascinating story.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, that shot me into, like, fame fast. Maybe
2: this like is where you dropped the F-bomb.
0: This Okay, I'm getting there. Um, the There was a Asian-American actress from Texas who decided to sue IMDb um, for... Uh, Posting revealing her age on the site, um, basically because you know d- it discriminates job employment yeah. for us, and um, which that is actually valid. Of you course, know, in the of industry, course. it's very valid. Sometimes they won't even look at you if they know your age. They won't even consider, even if you are perfect for the role, they won't even consider. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so I mean, her her points were absolutely valid, and and actually, you know, God, us actors, we've been trying to get IMDb to take down our birth dates for. God, l- at least a decade, you know. So, she, she she ends up coming up with this lawsuit. Instantaneously, it goes viral. I mean, I'm talking on every major website. I remember this news website like ABC, NBC. I'm talking every every huge successful blog out there. Every, I mean, and all over IMDb, of course. I mean, every major entertainment industry website. And then some, on, on an international level, it went out and it just exploded. And everyone went, bam, must be Nicole Bilderback.
2: Because, because, because you're the
0: can't only be, Asian from the Texas. the only Asian American from Texas. Actress, excuse me, the only Asian American actress from Texas. So clearly it must have been me. But I was worried. I was worried about my reputation in the industry, in uh-huh. the business, and that it could potentially hurt me. Um, I was afraid I didn't want to be in a situation where I wasn't going to be considered for a part. For, you know, because of this reason. Um, and it's funny because my manager at the time, he, I guess, was uh, getting calls and talking to, like, producers and casting directors that were calling him that were actually saying, good for her. Yeah. You let her know we support her. And he was like, it's not her. <laughs> He's like, why can't it be you? I actually got an email from him when that all was happening. He's like, are you suing IMDb? And I'm like... No, shithead, I'm not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's how it all came about. So what we what we decided to do is, you know, you turn uh, make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. And um, um, we teamed up with Funny or Die. Um, so we basically did um, a little spoof on on the the whole situation and taking it, of course, you know, being a little exaggerated. Uh, but we did it, yeah, and and it was so much fun. <laughs>
2: Is that something you just go to Funny or Die and put in your name? And yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: totally, totally. What was
2: the outcome of the lawsuit? Do you remember?
0: Well, eventually, ev- I mean, for the longest time, they didn't reveal her identity. But eventually, um, her identity actually came out. And, and then it I was like, you. Yeah, motherfuckers.
2: <laughs> there it was.
0: Yeah, motherfuckers. If
2: this were a morning uh-huh. drive time, I would have some kind of buzzer or bell or something for that F-bomb. Well, Nikki... Thank you for coming in today. It was a real pleasure talking to you.
3: You
0: are so welcome. It was my pleasure, and this was so much fun.
2: Thank you once again to Nicole Bilderback, and thank you to Edward DeRuder for connecting the two of us. And it's worth mentioning that apparently it's true that there was a promotional booklet released around the time that Clueless came out. It was called How to Speak Cluelessly. So influential was the movie that many of the terms do not even need explaining anymore. They've made their way into the popular lexicon. We don't even think about it. They just work. And as someone who did his grad school final project for a voice class on the Valley Girl dialect, I think I know what I'm talking about. But don't take my word for it, because it's time for...
0: I was there...
2: Left. Okay, I just want you to listen to an example of how the vernacular of the film Clueless plugs so seamlessly into any given dialogue. Here's a scene from 1984's The Terminator. Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bean, is driving Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor, around a parking garage while explaining the predicament she's currently in, all the while pursued by Arnold the Terminator. Let's roll it.
3: What's up? I'm Reese, sergeant. Techcom DN38416 assigned to be true blue and hang with you. You've been targeted for termination. Whatever, it's monster important that you live. He's not a man. Ugh, as if. He's a machine, a Terminator, a Cyberdyne Systems Model 101, not a Barney, a Baldwin. Underneath, it's a big time alloy combat chassis. Microprocessor controlled, majorly armored, buggin'. But outside, it's living human tissue, flesh, skin, crimson waves, chin pubes grown for the cyborgs. The 600 series had rubber skin. Hagsville. We spotted them easy. Total Monet's. But these are new. They look human. Major Baldwin's. Very hard to spot. Sweat. Bad breath. Nice stems. Disco dancing. Oscar Wilde reading. and ticket holding Friends of Dorothy. Everything. They don't feel pain. But I'm all. I do. That Terminator is out there. It's Postal. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. It's majorly Wigan, and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are fully toast. I'm Audi.
2: See, you didn't even notice. Science, linguistics. I'm Audi.
3: I was there. Clue. Less.
2: Thank you everyone for listening and thank you to Paul F. Tompkins for playing Kyle Reese in that authentic Terminator, Clueless mashup. If you can connect me to a great guest for I Was There Too, please email me at iwasthere2pod at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Gorley and now on Letterboxd. Do you use Letterboxd? Do you Letterboxd? Letterboxd is a great site for logging and sharing the films you like. This sounds like an ad, but it's not even an ad. I use it. I don't log every film I watch, though. I'm not a monster. But I have started a list of the I Was There 2 films I watch for this podcast. You can join. You can follow me. You can see what films are coming up for this very podcast. A little bit of a sneak peek, because I'm already four films ahead of the actual releases, because it looks to be a busy fall, and I need to get ahead. But also enough about my schedule. Hey, let's end this episode. There. We did it. It's over. I'll always love you. Good night.
3: Pop. Pop. Pop.
2: Pop pop. Pop pop, pop. pop? pop. 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 Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gourley, and Paul Scheer. Normally,
1: being a little extra can be a bit much.